Welcome to Spiritual Mythbusters. I'm your host, Paul Graves, and this is the place where we always share what we value as truth and promise to always share it in love. This podcast is an outreach of Bible to Life Ministry located in Northeast Florida. So if you enjoy what you hear, visit us at BibleToLife.net. That's B-I-B-L-E-T-O-L-I-F-E dot net and click on resources to view our BTL Kingdom blog, sermons, and bookstore. Now put on your spiritual thinking caps and let's dive into another episode. Welcome back to Spiritual Mythbusters. As always, I am your host, Paul Graves, and today I can guarantee you once again, as I always do, that you will be challenged, you will be encouraged, and you will be inspired by today's episode. So what I did was I decided to choose a topic that I believe is relevant to the body of Christ today. And so today's episode is titled, The Relevance of a Local Church. So let's go ahead and dive right in. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And he gave some, this is Jesus, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ. Verse 16, from who the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. It's interesting to me how most believers would agree with Apostle Paul with his writing in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. What I mean by that is in the sense that it's the functional responsibility of apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for effective works of service under the Lord. But then in many cases, what we're finding today is that those same believers will turn around and willfully demonize in the 21st century the very method or model or the vehicle which was widely used throughout the first century where believers were equipped and would fellowship. And that model is the local church. See, it's important to note that there's nothing wrong with the functionality of a local church. Let me make that statement one more time. There is nothing wrong with the functionality of a local church. So what do I mean by that? When I talk about the functionality of the church, there's nothing wrong with meeting in a building. There's nothing wrong with having services. Maybe you have an 8 o'clock service, and you have a 10 o'clock service, and you have a 12 o'clock service. There's nothing wrong with having a praise and worship team or a praise and worship leader. There's absolutely nothing wrong with financially giving 
There's nothing wrong with events. There's nothing wrong with programs. There's nothing wrong with outreaches. And there's certainly nothing wrong with leaders, elders, or deacons. You know, so in a sense, there's nothing wrong with apostles, prophets, preachers, teachers, and evangelists. So the idea of where believers meet has never been the problem. This is my position. The idea of where believers meet have never been the problem. You can meet in a tent. You know, you could meet in a school. You could meet in an open field underneath the, the sky. You could even meet in a home, but none of that would be the problem. So with that said, is there concerns within the body of Christ as far as the local church, or are there problems? And this is what I would say. I would say that the potential concerns with a local church are not where believers or non-believers meet and gather. I don't think that would be my point of contentiousness within the local church today, is whether we're meeting in homes, as it says in the, books of, in the book of Acts, the early church, they went from home to home, meeting together, fellowshipping, breaking bread. I don't think that would be my point of contention within the church today. The reality for me is that it doesn't matter where you meet. Like I said, whether it's a school, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the tent, rather the potential concern for me would be the vision, the mission, or the mandate of the local church in which you are attending or participating with. So what does that mean? In other words, what are you being taught at your local church. So it's not so much where we meet that could cause concern or frustration as much as it is what are we being taught? What is the message? What is the vision? What is the mission? What is the mandate? What is the purpose for that local church meeting? You see, it's the heart motives and the message within a local church that will ultimately determine the difference between spiritual life and spiritual death not where believers meet or gather locally, but it's the message, what is being communicated. So when considering the restructuring or the reformation within the local church today, and I do believe that there is a restructuring taking place within the local church. I believe that there is a idea of what church should be, and I believe that in a lot of ways, local communities, local churches are reforming or restructuring. So that's why I say when considering, as many believers have, the restructuring or the reformation within the local church today, it's vital to recognize, in my opinion, the church's value in three specific areas. So if we're talking about restructuring, if we're talking about reforming, if we're talking about how to accommodate individuals in a 21st century, in this age of technology, there's three specific areas, I believe, that are of value within the church, and that is the administrative process that facilitates truth, the message that communicates truth, and the people who become truth. The local church's message will always, in my opinion, determine the heart motive and vision that's instilled within God's people. You've heard the saying, garbage in, garbage out. What comes in must come out. You know, it's not what goes into a body that defiles it, the Word of God says, but it's what comes out. So with that being said, I'll make the statement one more time. A local church's message will always determine the heart motive 
and vision instilled within God's people. Now, let me say this. This is a quote that I have. New covenant kingdom truth or new covenant kingdom perspective produces new covenant kingdom believers. As believers, we shouldn't care as much about where or how we meet. Rather, we should start caring more about why believers should meet together in the first place. So let's talk about that. Why should we come together and meet in the first place? Look, I'm not going to argue about whether you should meet on Sundays, whether you should meet on Saturdays, and we're not going to talk about the rest of the Lord or what it means to enter into His rest. All right, that's for other podcasts. That's for other episodes. But let's just talk very plainly about why we should meet together as believers. When believers meet, what are we doing? We're fellowshipping one to another. In other words, we are intentionally building one another up in the faith. We are encouraging one another in the Lord. In other words, as believers, we're not called to be islands amongst ourselves. We are called to be the covenant community of Christ the King That means that we are called to unite with one another, to be a unified front. We're becoming a unified front as the church that Christ said he would build, to which the gates of Hades will not overpower or prevail against it. This is what Jesus said. Now, when we talk about the church that Jesus is building, we're not talking about the facility or the structure of a building or the administrative structure that facilitates the gifts and the truths of God. What Christ is talking about is his ecclesia, his assembly of believers, his universal body. And he says that he will ultimately build his universal body so that the gates of hell shall not, cannot, and will not prevail. When we meet, we're declaring to the world, and this is amazing, when we meet together under one roof, under two roofs, under ten roofs, wherever we meet, wherever the church meets, we are declaring to the world that we as believers, new covenant believers, are the covenanted community of Christ the King. We are declaring His Lordship. We are declaring His supreme authority. We are declaring the reign, the rule, and the authority of Christ the King in and through the earth, dwelling within the hearts of people. When we meet together, it should be for the purpose, according to Ephesians, It should be for the purpose of raising up sons and daughters of God, training and equipping believers to learn and know who they are in Christ, also to gain a revelation or an understanding of the fullness of who Christ already is on the inside of them the very moment they believe. It's the functional responsibility of the local church to facilitate the equipping of believers to understand their spiritual identity and purpose within the body of Christ. This is powerful. The local church is so much more than what we may have perceived it to be. It's so much more than what we have possibly been taught that it is. In love, acting or working in love, the functional responsibility of the local church is to teach, demonstrate, and activate believers in the truths of God's Word with a genuine heartfelt desire to release believers into their God-given or their God-ordained destiny. 
This is the purpose of the church. This is the functional responsibility of the structural establishment of the church. Whether that is functionally working in a field, whether that's functionally working in a school, whether it's functionally working in a library, wherever the church is functionally working, so the church's function is to teach, demonstrate, and activate believers in the truths of God's Word with a genuine, heartfelt desire to release believers into their God-given or God-ordained destiny. Look, church services, events, programs, outreaches, we can go on and on and on. These areas of opportunities provide opportunities for believers to receive and experience the goodness and kindness of God and to put into practice all that they have learned. We shouldn't demonize programs. We shouldn't demonize events. As believers, we shouldn't demonize anything that was created and has the ability to give God glory. I'm going to say that again. As believers, we shouldn't demonize anything that has the ability to give God glory. I hope that makes sense. So in doing so, all right, and in doing what? In providing opportunities for believers to receive and experience the goodness and the kindness of God and to practice what they've learned. In doing so, the results of local church should produce the love of God in the hearts of all who participate. A love that compels believers to share God's love with everyone they meet. Sharing His love through signs, through wonders, through healings, through miracles, through deliverance, and through salvation as sons and daughters of God with the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside. You see, through the structure of a local church, believers should be taught to find a hurt and heal it. Find a need and meet it. A people who have been touched by God are now going out into the world and touching people with God. That's powerful. That's what we are. As believers, we are a people that have been touched by God. We were a people that were, were a people not of God. We were in the dominion of darkness, but when we received Jesus as Lord and Savior, we were transferred from the dominion of darkness into the marvelous kingdom of his light. So we have been a people that have now been touched by God, and it is our functional responsibility to now go out into the world and touch others with God. We read in the book of Ephesians that it is the responsibility of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the saints or to equip believers for effective works of service. Listen to this. Until we all obtain the unity in the faith, growing up in his fullness until the mature stature of Christ. With that said, if it's the responsibility, now listen to this. If it's the responsibility of the ministry gifts, apostles and prophets, preachers, teachers, and evangelists to equip the saints or believers for effective works of service until we all obtain the unity in the faith, then shouldn't it also be the responsibility of believers to commit themselves to a local church or ministry where they can be effectively equipped 
by the ministry gifts in which God gave as Christ ascended into the heavenlies and gave gifts to men? I think it makes sense to ask that question. If it's the responsibility of the gifts of God to train and equip the saints of God, is it not the responsibility of the saints of God to put themselves in a position to be equipped by the gifts of God? Let's read Ephesians 4, 11, 13. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the works of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all, that means every one of us, attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. You see, a valid concern for me, a valid concern regarding local church or church of the locality or a local church or ministry has always been what is being taught or communicated to another. In my heart, in my mind, in my thought processes, my greatest concern for the local church has always been what is being taught, what is being communicated to others. So a valid concern would be the vision or the reason why a local church exists, not the existence of a local church. Let me repeat that. A valid concern concerning the local church would be the vision or the reason why a local church exists, not the existence of a local church. So, in other words, it's the message of a local church that will ultimately determine the heart motive and vision that's communicated to God's people. Remember, a people touched by God are touching people with God. So, when you're touched by God, when you gain a revelation and an understanding of God, you take the truths of God's Word and you begin to share it in the lives of others and you begin to make a difference, not only in your heart and in your life, but in the hearts and the lives of other people. But it's that message that resonates within your heart. It's that message that you have been taught that's ultimately going to determine your heart motive and your vision. It's going to determine what you say. It's going to determine how you act. It's going to determine what you believe. So that's why I say a valid concern would be that the vision or the reason of the local church for why it was in existence, not the existence of a local church, if that makes any sense. Look, there's no doubt that the functionality, and I think this is important, we have to understand this. And look, I know a lot of people that tell me that there's no, there's no need for the local church. There's no need to go to a building. God's never called us to a building. He's called us to a people and that we're supposed to meet in houses. And I get that the early church went from house to house. But let me just say this. There is no doubt in my mind that the functionality of a local church is very successful in communicating a message to believers on a larger scale. Why reach one when you can reach a hundred? Why reach a hundred when you can reach a thousand? So there again, it has nothing to do with the facilitated structure as much as it has to do with the message, the vision, and the heart motive that's being shared with God's people. All right, so there's no doubt that you can reach more people with a local church than you can one-on-one, although that doesn't do away with one-on-one. 
The Word of God says in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus told the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that he had taught them. So we don't do away with one-on-one. We don't do away with with me discipling you or you discipling me. We don't do away with discipleship on a one-on-one level or a one-on-three or a one-on-five. All we're saying is when you're sharing the message of Christ and you're communicating the truths of God's word, there's no doubt that through a local church you can reach more people than if you went out by yourself and was trying to reach one person at a time. So in other words, the model works. So the question is not the model. The question is, what are we facilitating through a message in the model of the church? Here are two questions, all right? Here are two questions New Covenant believers should ask, in my opinion, relating to the local church, all right? If there's any concerns, if there's any questions about the local church, these are two questions we should ask, and these are two questions that are answered in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. The first question should be, why do people meet? or gather in churches. I think that's important. So why do we meet and gather in a local church? And the second question should be, what should be the result of participating or meeting or gathering in a local church? So number one, why do we meet in a local church? What's the purpose? And number two, what's the results of meeting in a local church? And I think the answer to these two questions are going to decide whether or not a local church is relevant. So Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13, reveals the purpose of providing an environment, or it reveals the purpose of a local church. This is what Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Apostle Paul says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So right there, if you want to know why do we meet and why do we gather, it's for the equipping of the saints for effective works of service. It's because God wants to use through his apostles and prophets and preachers and teachers and evangelists, God wants to build up the body of Christ. God wants to begin to to share nuggets of truth. He wants to begin to expand on the revelation of Christ and who he is. And he wants us all, all believers, to grow up into the fullness of who he is. He wants us to obtain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God so we become mature, so we become grown up into the measure and the statue of who he already is. In other words, he's not trying to give us more of himself. He wants us to gain a revelation of the fullness we've already received. And that's why he is appropriated within the body of Christ, apostles and prophets, preachers, teachers, and evangelists, so that we may learn and grow. That doesn't mean that we only learn from the gifts of God because we all know that the power of the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us. And we know that the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us in all truth. But we also know that God has appropriated the church gifts, and those gifts are facets or characteristics of Christ himself in which he has given each one the functional responsibility of revealing a different facet or revelation of who Christ is to the body of Christ so that we can grow up with a full understanding of Christ 
from the different perspectives of the gifts of ministry that he's given. That is powerful. How much love is that? That he would create for us an opportunity to learn from different areas or facets of himself who he is so that we may see him from all sides. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Let's read this. And what Ephesians 4, 14 through 16, it's going to reveal the outcome or the results for new covenant believers when meeting together as a covenant community of Christ. So in other words, the second question was, what should be the result of participating in a local church? This is what we're going to find in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. As a result of being equipped by the, the ministry gifts, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrines, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Verse 16, from who the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of its love. In order to advance Christ's kingdom reign, Christ's kingdom rule, Christ's kingdom authority, in other words, in order to advance the kingdom of God and the love of God throughout the world, the body of Christ must be trained and the body of Christ must be equipped for effective works of service under the Lord. New covenant believers must learn who Jesus is, but not only who he is, but new covenant believers must also learn all he has done through his earthly ministry. It's important to understand who Jesus is and what he has done through his earthly ministry. New Covenant believers must also learn all Jesus accomplished and completed through his atonement. And when I talk about his atonement, I'm talking about events surrounding the cross. We must learn about what he accomplished on the cross. We must learn about the events surrounding the cross. We must learn about all that he completed through his atonement in order for New Covenant believers to learn who we are as believers in Christ and for us to learn all that we were created to do through Him in redemption. This is the power of the local church. This is the, this is the opportunity presented by the local church to become a model, to become a method, to become a vehicle in which apostles and prophets, preachers and teachers and evangelists can begin to train and equip, raise up and release sons and daughters of God for effective works of service until we all grow up into the unity of faith and the measure and the stature of who Christ is, growing up in the fullness of who we already are, gaining a revelation and an understanding of all we've ever received, seeing Christ as we've never seen him before through the facet of the apostle, through the facet of the prophet, through the facet of the preacher, the teacher, seeing Christ through the eyes of the evangelist. Man, let me say this. I'll end with this. A local church must present truths that align with God's word pertaining to godly living in a new and better covenant with better promises for the sole purpose 
of meeting together to train, to equip, to raise up and release God's sons and daughters for effective works of service unto the Lord. As your host, Paul Graves, I want to thank you for listening to Spiritual Mythbusters. If you like what you've heard, then once again, visit us at BibleToLife.net. That's B-I-B-L-E-T-O-L-I-F-E.net and click on Resources to access our BTL Kingdom blog, sermons, and bookstore. So until next week, always remember, if you want to see the glory of God, then you must release God's glory.